So this Sunday is the last installment in this series we're calling Tell Your Story. And during this series, we've been asking each person in the space of 90 seconds to be able to share something we call your God story with another person. Now, the other person doesn't have to be a Christian. They, 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 they don't have to be a believer. But did you know that by sharing that God story, it's one of the most effective ways of both glorifying God and encouraging another person just by sharing personally about the goodness of God in your life. And so we've been talking about, you know, sharing your God stories. And, and in one message, we talked about, well, you know, how do you get a good God story? And so he said, well, it's, it's at least one of two ways. It's by putting your faith into action, and it's by listening to the Holy Spirit. And, and I guarantee you, if you do those two things on a regular basis, put your faith into action and listen to the Holy Spirit, you will have a God story on a regular basis. Now, today, we're, we're, we're not just talking about telling your story, but we're talking about telling God's story. So today, we want to talk not just about how God fits into your story, but how we fit into God's story, okay? Now, I could share a hundred God stories to my kid or to my coworker or to my relatives or to my parents, and one of the things that communicates is that God is real and God is dynamic and he's personal, and I would say that by telling personal stories about God to other people, one of the most effective ways in our day and age um, in, in, in sharing about God. You know, because stories are such an amazing vehicle. You know, it's so natural, it's so organic, it's so us, you know. But there is a limitation to this. And the limitation is that just telling a God story could come off kind of like, oh, okay, that's good for you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's really good for you, and you must be pretty special because God speaks to you and so on and so forth, but I don't know really about me. And so we want to actually tell more than just our God story, but we want to tell God's story. You know, not just me and God, but God in the whole world. So again, not just how God fits into the story of my life, but how we fit into the story of God's life. So today we're talking about telling um, our God, God, well, telling God's story. And uh, I wanted to start off with a problem that a lot of people have when it comes to telling God's story, okay? But what I do need are some volunteers. And so instead of just like waiting up front, I'm just going to pick some people. And I normally try to pick on the young people because I just like to pick on young people. Now, now, I'm going to pick on Quest. Actually, um, Davis, can you do me a favor and just come to the right side of Quest? And then, Michael, can you kind of scoot down? That would be perfect. Thank you guys for volunteering. That's really <laughs> nice of you. Okay, now, now um, yeah, yeah, right there. I just want you to know, I'm not bragging, but Quest recently, when he found out how old I am, he was completely shocked. He, he, I told him I was 39, he was floored. And, and this is what he said verbatim, and I know this because I wrote this in my journal. He, he said, Andrew, you know, you look like you're in your young 30s, and An looks like he's in junior high. That's what he said. <laughs> Which is true. You're tr- An, junior high, that's true. You guys, amen to that? Amen to the me in my 30s? Amen to that, young 30s? I don't know. But, okay. Okay, then we're going to play this game, Okay. Now, this is how it works. I'm going to whisper something into Bruce's, into Bruce's ear, okay? And he's going to then whisper into Quest's ear, and then uh, Quest is going to whisper into Davis's ear, and, and we're just going to stop there. Michael, you're just there as eye candy. Thank you. 
Okay, now this is the, these are the rules. I'm just going to whisper it one time, and you can't ask me to repeat it. And then you're going to whisper it to Quest one time, and you can't repeat it, even if it's like, I didn't hear anything you said, okay? <laughs> now, you can use your own words, or you can just repeat it verbatim. It's up to you. Okay? Now, I don't, there is a name for this game. I don't remember what the name is because I'm so old. You know, I'm 39, but what is it? Telephone? Okay, we're going to play a telephone, okay? You guys ready? Okay, could you close your ears so I don't want you guys cheating. Okay, and turn my microphone off. Okay, here it goes. It has been spoken. This is a very, very important thing. I just whispered to Bruce. Okay, Bruce, go ahead and whisper it to Quest. And try not to let my voice distract you while you're whispering. Because, I'm joking. That seemed a little shorter than what I had said. You paraphrased it, didn't you? That's good. Okay, Davis, I want you to stand up. And I want you to declare, I told you this message is really important, okay? I want you to declare loudly and, and confidently the message that you heard. Go ahead, go for it. Do your best. Okay, I whispered to Bruce, do you want to build a snowman? Wait, what? No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Actually, no, okay, I'm, I'm, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Actually, that was pretty close. That was pretty close, Davis. That was pretty close. Can we give Davis a hand? Actually, we'll give the whole line a hand. That was really good. That was really good. You know, what I whispered into uh, Bruce's ear is that you are more sinful than you ever dared imagine, and you are more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. Now, how close was that? Very close. That was pretty close, right? Okay. Uh, my, my, okay, you guys actually screwed up my illustration, because my, my illustration is now that we get it pretty close. My actually point is that oftentimes we get it wrong. We get it wrong. We, we, get, we get one point of it wrong, right? But the other point is kind of off. Now, let me ask you, in this message, in this message, you are more sinful than you ever dared imagine. You are more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. Hope. Is there any part of that message that is not important that you could throw away? Any part at all? And I would venture to say that, and I would be the first person that's guilty. I I don't get it all across. I don't get the tension there across. I don't get the full message across a lot of the time. I get one part, but I don't get the other. You know, it, it comes in, you know, like uh, you are more, and it comes out something like, you know, something that's a little bit more garbled, a little less unclear, one point, but not the whole thing. Now, Matt Chandler, in his book, um, The Explicit Gospel, <clears throat> he talks about a perversion of the message, and he calls this perversion moralistic deism. Can you guys repeat that after me? Moralistic deism? Moralistic deism. And the idea behind moralistic deism is that we are able to earn favor with God and to justify ourselves before God by virtue of our behavior. 
You can sum it up in a few words. Like uh, when I was young, my, my mom would tell me, you know, she would say things in Chinese like, you know, how the heights it, which basically means, and the message was, be a good boy, be a good girl. The, the message of moral deism, that we are able to earn favor with God and justify ourselves before God by virtue of our behavior, is that we are all called to do the right thing. And that's the message. Do the right thing. Fix yourself up. You're thinking of that, yeah. Do the right thing. Fix yourselves up. Be a good boy. Be a good girl. You can do it. You have to do it. Is that our message? Uh, Matt Chandler, in his, in his book, he shares this story. I really like this story. Um, he shared a story of what happened to him during his first year of college. He took a drama class, and he met a woman by the name of Kim. She had no church background. She had a child. She worked at a local bar. She had a dry, sarcastic sense of humor. And so Matt and Kim really hit it off. Matt began to pray for Kim and to share God's love with Kim. Well, one day, Matt invited Kim to go to this conference called True Love Waits. I don't know if you guys have heard of that conference. And so True Love Waits conference was coming into town, so Matt invited Kim to come. And he was secretly hoping that something great was going to happen for Kim during the message time. But what happened was exactly the opposite. The speaker got up, and he gave a lot of stats about STDs, you know, very little Bible in it. And he said things like, it's all fun and games until you have herpes on your lip. And then for his big illustration, he took out a single red rose. And he, you know, he smelled it dramatically. And he, he caressed the petals, and he talked about how beautiful the rose was, and then he, he threw it into the audience, and he asked the audience to go ahead and pass the rose around because it was, it was too beautiful just to be enjoyed by himself, and he wanted to share it. And so it went around the auditorium. There's a 1,000 people there. And at the end of the message, he asked for the rose back. And, of course, when the rose came back, it was broken, it was drooping, the petals were all falling off. He held up the rose and he said, now who wants this rose? Now who wants a rose like this? It's not beautiful anymore. It's so used. And so his message was, don't be a dirty rose. That's what, that, that's, that was his message. Now, Matt and Kim are on the car ride home. She's really quiet. She's really despondent. She's not talking much. She's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. She doesn't really want to open up. And she just kind of disappears. Finally, Matt is able to find some time with her. And you know, the, the first, one of the first things she says is kind of the blue. She goes, you think I'm a dirty rose? Now, Matt's heart is breaking, you know. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand, you don't understand. The weight of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, he wants the rose. And, and he came and he died and he rose again to redeem and to save dirty roses like you and me. That is the message. 
That's the message. The message that we have is not a message of shame. It's a message of hope and amazing love. The message is that you and I share a common brokenness. We were lost. We were alienated from God. We were, we were all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son. And if you put your trust in that son, because he died and rose again, if you put your trust in Jesus, not only will you have power for a new life from this life, but your life will be extended unto eternity. And not just that, but you're part of God's team for the transformation of the entire world. That's the gospel. It's not, be a good boy. It's not, don't be a dirty rose. It's not, fix yourself so that God will approve of you. It's an amazing message. And I just want to ask each of you here, in what you say and what you believe and what you do, are you communicating the gospel? Or is it some form of moral deism? And what you're saying to your co-workers and how you live and what you're... For those of you who are parents and how you parent your kids, are you getting the right message, the core message? Or is it some form of moral deism? That's not the gospel. Let's get back to the very core of what we stand for. Can you guys turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now again, I, I want to state my point here. My point is, we are in the business of telling God's story. But a lot of times we get it wrong. It, 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 it comes out to some kind of form of moral deism. We get one part, but not the, not, not the full uh, gospel. And so we need to go back to the core message. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified and what that means for all of us. It is good news. It's a hopeful message. And if we've been thinking it's something else, if we've been acting or speaking like it's something else, now is a good time to come back to what we really stand for. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. These are the words of Paul. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. I want you guys to say remind. Uh, when you remind somebody about something, it means you're not saying it for the first time. It means that you've already said it before, and now you're saying at least a second time, you're reminding them. So Paul is saying, let me remind you of something. And you don't need to be reminded of something unless you need to be reminded of something. Let me remind you of the gospel. Now keep in mind, these people have already heard the gospel. I've already heard it before. And Paul's like, yeah, but what you need is for me to remind you. I'm reminding you. This is not just for people who have heard it once. This is for people who have heard it many times. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. Okay, that word receive, what tense is it in? Okay, that's in past tense. So this is something that you received in the past. Okay, and the next, in which you stand. Stand, what tense is that in? Present. Okay, it's something that you are actively standing on now. You received it in the past, and you're standing on it now. And by which you are being saved. Okay, being saved, this one's a little bit tricky. It's, it's present, but it's going into the future. 
right? You're, you're being saved by it. So it's ongoing. It's present, but it's going into the future. So this gospel is something that you received in the past. It's something you need to stand on now. And it's something you are actively engaging in now going into the future. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Oh, okay. Who can I pick on today? Um, Derek, can you, can you stand up? Okay, Derek is a young man. Am I correct? Derek, how old are you? You're like 20. 19. I used to know Eric when, you know, I was taller than him. I'm not anymore. I mean, Eric has really grown and blossomed into a man. But, but I would say that on the long view of things, Eric's kind of, I'm, I'm sorry, Derek's kind of at the beginning, right? Uh, Derek, when did you get baptized? Junior year. How long ago was that? Okay, three years ago. Derek just got baptized three years ago. Okay, so maybe on the long view of things, Derek would be considered, you know, more in the formative years of the Christian, more, more near towards the beginning, right? Now, no one's going to argue with me when I say what Derek needs more than anything is the gospel, right? I mean, these are formative years. He's building up his identity. If he knows without a doubt that God loves him unconditionally, regardless of what he does or what other people think of him, but if he knows that and builds his core identity on that, he's going to really blossom as a man who knows the unconditional love of God. Can all people say amen to that? Okay, Derek, thank you so much. Calvin, can I get you to stand up? Please. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the other Calvin, yeah. Now, now, let's say on the long view of things, if Derek is at the very beginning of his life, then Calvin would be, <laughs> would be in his prime. <laughs> Terry, can I get an amen? Okay, yes. Calvin is now in his prime. He's had many years of maturity as a Christian. He is a pastor. Not only is he a pastor, but he's a full-time, uh, half-time dentist. He's a man of God. We work together. It's really fun working with Calvin. What does Calvin need more than anything? People go, you know something? Ah, the gospel is for the baby Christian or for the person who's not even a Christian. No, not according to Paul. According to Paul, Calvin, who is a seasoned man of God, emanating with the Holy Spirit, you know what he needs? He needs the gospel. He needs the gospel. He needs the gospel just as much as Derek the, uh, does, did. It's something that you receive, but it's something you stand on now, and it's something by which you are being saved going into the future. And that's Calvin, right? Calvin, thank you for uh, letting me embarrass you. Now, a lot of people kind of feel like, you know, yeah, 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 the gospel is something I need to be saved. But once I get saved, then I become good all on my own effort. No, 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 no. The gospel is something that you received, and it did save you. But it's something you need to stand on now, and it gives you power for new life, going into the future to be a new person. You need the gospel back then, right now, and way into the future. Well, what, do you, what do you say to the man that's struggling with porn? And he comes up to you, and he says, You know something? I feel so shameful because I, I pray about this, and then I do it. And I feel all bad again. And I ask God for forgiveness. And then two weeks, I do it again. What does that person need? Oh my gosh, you know, they need the gospel. 
They need to know that Jesus died for their sin, past, present, and future. And when you know that, and there's no shame because you've been cleansed by God, then you live in that new identity of being forgiven. That's the power to resist porn. It all comes from the gospel. What about the family man? What about the family man that, that comes up to you and he goes, you know something, I give everything I have to work. And then I come home and I got kids, I give everything I have to my kids. And then I come to church and I give everything I have to my church. And sometimes I hear from the pastor this message like, do more, like I'm not doing enough. What does this person need? Well, this person needs the gospel. This person needs to know to the core of their being before they even lifted a finger Jesus died for them. And you rest in the unconditional love of God. And then you get energy to do what you got to do faithfully. We need the gospel. It's not something you received in the past, but it's something that sustains us today and goes and sustains us in the future. Well, what do you say to the, the, the businesswoman who started a new startup, but she, inwardly she's struggling because she's afraid to fail? Class, what do we need? We need the gospel. You need to know that regardless of what you do, regardless of what you achieve, regardless of how many people go, woohoo, you are loved by the unconditional love of God who gave himself up for you on the cross before you even lifted a finger, before you even accomplished anything. That is our message. What an amazing message it is. That's the message we are called to tell people all around us, not something like moral deism, but a great message of grace and hope and empowerment. Verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance. Can you guys say first importance? Okay, this is first important. This is the core message. Are you ready for it? What I also received. Here it comes. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Now, if I were to take these verses and Paul goes, okay, here it is, here it is, it's coming. I'm going to tell you what the gospel is. You're like, okay, what is it, what is it? Well, how would you distill this? Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. I would would say Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So what is the gospel? Well, it's that Jesus died for our sins, that he was... um, buried, and that he was raised on the third day. And all the things that that means, that is the gospel. Now, I realize at this point, I haven't really given you a very solid definition. Like, okay, what is the gospel? Well, I would say that's what it is. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's Jesus Christ dying for our sins, raising from the dead, and everything that means. That's what it is. Now, if you were to ask Tim Keller, like, how would you... You know, what's your elevator pitch for the gospel? Tim Keller would probably say, you are more sinful than you ever dared imagine and more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. Does that sound familiar? If you were to ask Pastor Cheryl, she would probably say, it's good news from the creation, then it's bad news, and then it's good news. It's still the, 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 the understory of Jesus Christ crucified and everything that means. If you were to ask me, what does it mean? I'd say it's amazing grace and radical response. I want to close with a story 
of uh, this opportunity I had in Taiwan. I've been sitting on this story for a while, but um, really looking forward to just sharing it with you. So I, I told you about my, uh, my mom's dream that her, her boys go with her to Taiwan. And so we said, okay, mom, we're going to go to Taiwan, you know. Uh, so we, we took nine days, and we went to Taiwan. Now, what happened on day one is uh, I met with my mom. And um, it, in Taiwan, we have this, these networks of aunties. There's my mom's cousins and, and Fu Gong, who's like the, the patriarch of the family and so forth. And I'm meeting with my mom and say, hey, mom, what do you say we share the gospel with all the aunties? Now, I don't know if you guys know my mom, but my mom is, she's, she's pretty awesome. Uh, my mom goes like this. She goes, she goes, oh, Andrew, you are such a good boy. That, that's what she said to me. She goes, and then she says this, because most of the times I think, I think moms would go, no, 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 we're not going to do that, <laughs> you know. Don't embarrass me, son, right? She said, you want to do that? Okay, let's do it together. That's my mom. She's right there. So uh, that very night, she's with the aunties, and they're in the room, and they're like, they're just kind of chewing the fat, they're just talking, and my mom turns to them and says, oh, my son, she wants, he wants to uh, proselytize you. <laughs> no, no, she didn't say that, but, but she's like, oh, she, he wants to share uh, the Christian message with you. Now, my aunties are all gathered. Now, one of my aunties, her name is Atsu, Atsu, uh, Auntie Atsu. And she's a riot. She's so funny. Like, she would, she would, like, fall off the bed laughing at her own jokes. That's, that's my auntie, right? And, and she's a very devout Buddhist. So check this out. She goes to the temple to pray one hour each day. That's how devout she is. And she's also a jokester, too. So she goes, she goes okay, I'll tell you what. If he's going to share the gospel, then he has to share it to everyone at the same time. And so I'm going to go get all the aunties together, and then you can share the gospel with them at the same time. I'm like, okay, right? And inside I'm going, oh, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, I didn't know this is going to happen, right? I, I'm not prepared. I, I don't have notes, you know? I'm like, what am I going to say, right? And so I'm feeling like a little flustered, like, oh, okay, okay, but I'm not trying to, you know, let it show. And then I think at that moment, the Holy Spirit must have given me clarity because I, I knew what it is that he wanted me to share. I'm going to share about the prodigal son. That's Luke 15. I don't know if you guys know the prodigal son story, but it, it is a story with kind of like this patriarch who's, whose heart gets broken, and it talks a lot about his love for, the, for, his, for his children. So my auntie gathers the cousins, my auntie is uh, around the room, right? And I'm telling them the gospel story from Luke 15, and my mom is translating sentence for sentence. It's funny because my mom starts adding in her own commentary, right? <laughs> It's like, oh, I know this story. And the younger son, you know, he gets one third because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mom, mom, just stick to the script, you know? <laughs> you know? And so we're doing it line for line. I'm talking about the story. And then at the end of the story, I said, you know, that's God's heart for his kids. They, they sinned against them. They're lost. And he so desperately wants them to come home. And when, when he sees them coming home, he runs to them because he loves them. And he throws his, his arms around them. And I said this. I said, you know something. That's exactly why Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's why he died. Because it was through his death that God was welcoming his lost children back into his arms and back into his family. That's why he gave up his life on the cross. 
God's love is so great. Now, at that moment, I'm looking at my auntie, and, you know, she's a jokester, and she became eerily quiet. She was just listening, taking this all in. And she said, thank you for sharing that with me. And I was so, I can't tell you how blessed I was just by sharing this story. I'm just like, this is such an incredible story, and I get to share it with other people, you know? It's not be a good boy. It's not don't be a dirty rose. But it's an incredible message of God's heart that he gave up everything for you and I to pay for our sin and to welcome us back home so that we could have eternal life. And we could be part of his team in redeeming and restoring the world. What an amazing message. And you and I have the great privilege of living it out and sharing it with other people. It is an awesome message. And I was reminded of that when I was telling it to my auntie. Let's get back to the core message, guys. It's an amazing message of hope. It's about God's unconditional love poured out on a cross. Would you all stand with me, please? Father, I ask that you would forgive us for how often when the things that we say and the things that we do, we're not really communicating your message. Sometimes it's a message of condemnation. Sometimes it's a message of self-help. Sometimes it's a very empty message. But I thank you that your son died on the cross and gave us the most amazing message that we could live out, that we could share with other people. And I pray that we would be on message and at the core message of your death and your resurrection, all that means would ring true in our hearts and would be the very first thing that we convey to all those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. seated.